Okay, so a whole bunch of episodes ago, we talked about a tiny little entity called a bacteriophage, which is just a small, spidery-looking creature that goes traipsing about looking for bacteria to kill. Is it possible that we could use something like this in our battle against antibiotic-resistant bacteria? How is it that phages actually work? All this and lots and lots more on today's episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. Welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I, as always, am your host, Dr. K. Uh, Thank you so much for hanging out with us again for another episode. Sorry about the lateness of the delivery of the episode. We had some technical difficulties. Um, But anyway, if this is your first time here, or if you have not already, don't forget to like, share, and follow the podcast. Um, You can also stay up to date with both the podcast as well as other cool science content on our Instagram page at Science with Dr. K. That is Science with Dr. Underscore K. And the link can be found in the show notes of this episode. Now, um, these last couple weeks, we've been setting the stage for this so-called antibiotic arms race. That's kind of how we've described it, right? It's based on the idea that bacteria have this inherent ability to overcome virtually any type of antibiotic that we throw at it, through things like horizontal gene transfer, bacterial transformation, stuff like this. We also talked about how due to how quickly bacteria can exchange their genes and pick up um, you know, bits of DNA, that the rate of antibiotic discovery appears to be slower than the rate of antibiotic resistance in bacteria. So what that means, the natural corollary to that, is that what that means is that we have to come up with new mechanisms or Um, new mechanisms of treatment, new ways of controlling um, bacteria if we want to battle the emerging threat of antibiotic resistance. Now, um, we've hinted at this for a while, so what are these emerging technologies, Dr. K? What are some ways that we could control the rate of bacterial growth? And one of the ways that that we're going to talk about, the one we're going to talk about today, has to do with the most common biological entity in the entire world, and that is, of course, the bacteriophage. Now, um, in order to fully unpack this technology, we need to recap or review um, what bacteriophages are and how bacteriophages work. Bacteriophages are, like I said, um, they're the most common biological entity in the world. There's currently ongoing debate about whether or not they're even alive or not, but that's a topic for another day. There's an estimated 10 to the 31st bacteriophages in the world. That is an ungodly amount of zeros. That's an ungodly amount of bacteriophages. And for reference, that's more than all of the organisms in the entire world, including bacteria, combined. Right? More than all of the organisms. So that's a lot of bacteriophages. Now, bacteriophages, excuse me, bacteriophages at the end of the day, they are viruses. And a lot of them have very similar types of structures. So they have this diamond-shaped crystal made out of protein that serves as the head. And that's the place where they store their DNA, RNA, all those other genetic goodies. Um, And then the crystal attaches to these long spidery arms that just kind of wriggle around and try and grab a hold of individual bacteria. Those spidery legs, as we've discussed in previous episodes of the podcast, they vary widely in terms of the length, um, which is nightmare fuel if you think about it. But the main point of those spidery arms is to attach to the bacteria. And that allows the bacteriophage, once it attaches to the bacteria, it allows the bacteriophage to make a little incision on the membrane of the bacteria before depositing the DNA 
or RNA into the bacteria. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, after the genetic material of the phage enters the bacteria, it integrates that bit of genetic material into the genome of the bacteria. You can kind of think about it as if someone stuck a blueprint for a car or something like that into the blueprint package of a building. Right? The difference is, is that when the phage decides that it's time to make a move, it commandeers the cellular machinery in the bacteria and then uses it as a way of making more and more of itself inside the bacteria. Again, it'd be like um, if someone took control of the building for one day and instead of making more windows and doors and computers, you know, stuff that you need for a functional building, it just made lots and lots and lots of cars. <laughs> so, and just like making more and more cars would eventually put pressure on the sides of a building, right? Making more and more bacteriophages eventually puts pressure on the sides of the bacteria. Eventually, with the bacteriophages just bursting out of the cell membrane of the bacteria, and that kills the cell and also spreads the phage around to new bacteria. So in this way, bacteriophages can essentially run through an entire population of bacteria. In fact, it's estimated that 10 to the 23rd phages are infecting bacteria at any given time. That is enough to turn over the entire population of bacteria in the world in just a couple of days. Phages are stupidly efficient and really, really good at killing bacteria. So they're super, super devastating. Now, wait a minute, Dr. K. You say, all oh, hot and bothered by all of this information. It turns out that listening to your podcast, I have grown to love my microbiome. I'm quite fond of the thing. Is there any way that I could just lose all that bacteria in my body if I let loose a couple of phages. Come to think about it, if bacteriophages are all over the place, like you say, killing bacteria all the time, how is it possible that I even have a microbiome? Now, that's actually a very, very good question, and it opens up a big old can of other topics that are actually quite fun, including things like CRISPR, um, things like restriction enzymes, and, other, and all these other things. But um, those are topics for another podcast. But one of the fundamental reasons has to do with the way that bacteriophages grab a hold of the bacteria. Okay, so how does this actually happen? Well, if you zoom in on the cell membrane or the cell wall of the bacteria, you will find a lot of different components. You'll find certain types of proteins. You'll find certain types of lipids. Um, you'll find different kinds of sugars, right? And one thing that follows up from bacterial diversity which is really neat, is that a lot of different bacteria have totally different compositions to their membranes. I'm going to say that again. The proteins, sugars, fats that make up the membrane of a bacteria will vary dramatically from bacteria to bacteria. Some will have a certain type of sugar. Some will have a certain type of protein receptor. Some will have, some will have like a whole bunch of different types of lipids. Some have multiple membranes. There's a lot of variety when it comes to the membranes of bacteria. Now, how does this relate to bacteriophages? Well, you can think about the bacteriophage incision machinery, you know, the stuff that cuts open the bacteria and then deposits the genetic material. You can think about that incision machinery as like a key. It's only going to work and open up the bacteria if, you, if it can interact with a certain type of lock. If it doesn't find an appropriate lock, then it's just going to keep floating around on the outside of the bacteria and it won't be able to get a hold of the bacteria and then get inside. And the material that makes up the lock, you may have guessed right at this point, it's the membrane composition of the bacteria. And so that means that since the membrane composition is super varied when it comes to bacteria and all organisms, in fact, I guess, 
bacteriophages can only infect certain types of bacteria. I'm going to say that again. Certain bacteriophages can only infect certain types of bacteria. Instead of thinking of bacteriophages as viruses that can just run through an entire microbiome, think about bacteriophages as tiny little predators that can only kill one specific type of prey. So while bacteriophages can and do kill bacteria all the time, the type of the bacteria that can be killed is entirely dependent on the type of bacteriophage. Now, what this means then is if you wanted to kill a microbiome, you'd have to have as many types of bacteriophages as there are types of bacteria, which as it turns out is a lot. But you may have also picked up on something else that follows from this line of logic. If you'd need a bunch of different bacteriophages to kill a bunch of different bacteria, could you use one specific bacteriophage to kill one specific bacteria, say, one that has antibiotic resistance? And that is the new technology. For some time, researchers have been identifying different kinds of bacteriophages that can specifically target antibiotic-resistant bacteria. These phages, since they're so specific in which bacteria they're killing, don't actually influence the microbiome at all. They just kill the bad bacteria and then they just move on. But wait a second, Dr. K, you say, why couldn't the bacteria just develop resistance to the phage and then carry on its merry way? It can resist antibiotics. Can't it resist bacteriophages? In fact, the bacteria will, right? There's still going to be a population bottleneck, just like antibiotics produce. There's still going to be a population bottleneck to the bacteria and this will encourage the development of bacteria that are resistant to that particular phage. But here's the really, really cool part about it. Whereas antibiotics don't evolve and thus can be successfully avoided by an enterprising bacteria, phages can evolve as well, and they do it even faster than bacteria. See, since bacteriophages tend to be smaller than bacteria, and since their genomes tend to be smaller... That means that it takes even less time from an evolutionary perspective to generate variability in viruses, right? This is one reason why we get colds over and over and over again, because we're dealing with different versions of the same virus that have just mutated a little bit and then can reinfect us. What this means then from a phage perspective at the end of the day is that it doesn't matter how much the bacteria evolves and changes, right? You'll just you'll theoretically always have a phage lying around that can kill it because the phages are evolving so fast meaning that you will always have a way to stop a bacterial infection from growing if you have the appropriate phage. In addition to this ability to specifically target bacteria that we want to kill, phages also have a bunch of other theoretical benefits in the clinic. As I mentioned, they're all over the place, so we have an almost infinite amount of phages to choose from, more than, more than we would ever, ever use. Um, we also discussed how they don't really disrupt the rest of the microbiome since they're only concerned with their one specific type of food. Um, you also don't need a whole lot of viruses to make a big impact since they proliferate every single time they kill a bacteria. They take care of the dosing. You don't have to collect or inject a huge amount of bacteriophages every single time you would get a treatment. And then finally, related to this, from our preliminary studies, it doesn't seem that they trigger the immune system. So they have very little toxicity for us as well. So overall, there seems to be a lot of promise associated with phage therapy. And what's really cool is we've also seen them working in action a couple of times. So phages have been used to treat things like diarrhea. They've been treated, used to treat things like wound healing. Um, they've also been used for something like cystic fibrosis with varying degrees of success. Um, they've also been able to disrupt biofilms, which is something that's really, really hard 
for a lot of antibiotics. So, okay, Dr. K, you say, I am totally sold. Pump me full of bacteriophages. Let's win this thing. Why is it that we haven't started using bacteriophages all the time? Well, there's still a lot that we don't know, and there's still a lot that we need to figure out before we can fully enter into our list of potential therapeutics, the the class of bacteriophages. Again, we're injecting live virus, and viruses, as we mentioned earlier, can evolve. And while there don't seem to be any significant impacts to our immune system or negative impacts from the phages, which makes sense since they only target bacteria, it is possible that they could somehow turn on a human cell at some point, and then that could cause quite a ruckus. Additionally, since bacteriophages are so good at picking up and putting down DNA, right, that's what they do, there is some worry that a phage that doesn't know what it's doing could accidentally start could accidentally start spreading antibiotic resistance genes by picking up wayward antibiotic resistance genes from one bacteria and then passing it along to another bacteria that it would infect. Both of these and other concerns are totally valid, and we'll have to know the answer to this before we like, you know, jump whole hog into phage therapy, but at this point there's some good data, um, but it's just not quite enough to really start bringing this into conventional medicine. So until then, researchers will just have to, you know, keep tirelessly working away to learn more about how they work and, and how they can use this as a way of, of battling antibiotic resistance. So um, that is what we have for today as far as phages are concerned. Let's do a real quick recap that we can get out of here. Uh, number one, bacteriophages are viruses that work by invading bacteria, replicating themselves, and then bursting out of the sides of the bacteria, spreading to even more bacteria. Number two, bacteriophages are incredibly specific, and they target only specific types of bacteria. Number three, it's hypothesized that you could use specific bacteriophages as a way of targeting specific antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And finally, number four, while there is some promise to this, we still need a little bit more information before we can bring this into the clinic. It's, it's such a cool idea. The the idea that you could just use the natural predator of the bacteria as a way of protecting ourselves from bacteria when they get a little ornery. Um, but what's really, really cool, you guys, is that just is it's just one form of technology, right? There's a whole bunch of other ways that we can tackle the problem of antibiotic resistance. Phage therapy is just one of them. We're going to address one more technology, um, but that's going to have to take a whole episode just to unpack the concept. Um, but we don't have time for any more than that now so it's time to wrap up the episode um, in order to learn more about that really cool bit of technology you'll just have to tune next week tune in next week excuse me um, but anyway as always guys i do appreciate each and every one of you who tunes in and i am super excited to talk with you all next week on another episode of short stories back to you